Hello friends, my name is Steven. We're here for another episode of Page Chewing with P.L. Stewart. And we are here today with a couple of book bloggers that I'm really excited to be chatting with. I want to pick their brains and learn learn some things from them. So, uh, P.L., do you want to start us off with an introduction and tell us about what you do? Uh, thanks, Steve, so much. Honored to be here again once more as Steve's uh, co-host for Page Chewing. I believe this is episode 11, is it not? I think so, yeah. 11, and, uh, you know, we... we the, we call we dubbed this month Jam Pack June because of the, the the amount of uh the amount of episodes we have. And again, we have more star-studded, you know, guests. And um, I'm happy to be here. I'm Peel Stewart, author of the John Kingdom saga. And uh yeah, I'll turn it over to our guests to introduce themselves. Hey everyone, I'm Blaze Ancona. I am the founder of Under the Radar SFFbooks.com. You can follow me on Twitter at under the radar b2 started doing this about uh, about two years ago and i recently did a uh, podcast pl was one of my one of my guests and that was a fantastic uh, interview um yeah just here to talk about books and my love for them and i uh, can't excited to be here thanks for having me all right well hey everyone my name is mihir wanchu i am part of fantasy book critic uh i've been a blogger since 2010 9 10 somewhere like that um, I had the good fortune of being, you know, introduced to Steve Tawaya, thanks to Richard Nell in one of the, you know, interviews that she did with him. It was so much fun. And then since then, I've gotten to know Steve better. Uh, happy to hear to chat with, you know, Paul and you, Steve. And of course, uh, this is my meeting with Blaze as well. So this is really exciting. So thank you for having me, guys. Awesome. And right before we were, uh, right before we went live, we were talking about um, R. Scott Baker. Is it Backer or Baker? Backer, I believe. Backer, I think. Backer. Yeah, okay. B-A-K-K-E-R. I've, I've been mispronouncing it all this time. Uh, so we were talking about how dark it is, and you have to be in a good place before you get into it. So what, uh, and we were comparing that to, to Malazan and the kind of the similarities there. Um, so yeah. with, with have, you, have you both read both trilogies or just the first one? I have read the first seven. I mean, the, the, the R. Scott Backer books are seven books released so far. I've read all of them. Malazan, I gave up on book five. Uh, um, for R. Scott Backer, I've read the first trilogy, which is, um, was the darkness that came before the, um, the Warrior Prophet and Thousandfold Thought, I believe yep. they are. Um, I read those like five or six years ago. And um, I definitely need to reread them because I feel like I was... I was in the right headspace to give those books the appreciation they deserve. And this was before I read Malazan and The Wars of Light and Shadow by Jenny Ward. So I feel like um, a more, my mind is better set to understand what's going on in those. Um, but it's a, it's, a, it's a brilliant series. You just need to be in the right headspace. It's very grim. It's very bleak. And it's a lot more philosophical and religious influence than I anticipated. So just if... Going into it, if you know that ahead of time, you should be okay. And it's very, uh, the pros are very, very good and they're very dense, yeah. very much like Malzan and, and Jenny Ward. So just have that in mind and you should be fine. <laughs> we were actually starting a, a group read of that this month. So we're reading the whole, all of Backer's books. So Oh, the second half of all. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So if, if you, if either of you want to, or I know PL, I know you have a busy <laughs> schedule, but if you want to join it. Oh, I, I'd love to try. I, I, I was just before the we started here. I was just saying that um, thanks to um, largely Steve and um, Zara, another great um, blogger from Books with Zara that was previously on an episode of Page Chewing. Steve and I, they've convinced me 
to read uh, R. Scott Backer or Baker. And um, that's that's definitely, it sounds right up my alley, right? Uh, you know, um, for anybody who knows about me and my works at Blaze, who's read it in Steve, the, the horror religious themes is this, the, and the obviously the, the um, that is that strikes a big chord with me. So, um, oh, hey, it's, it sheds that he liked he liked it apparently. Mm-hmm. Uh, he liked it. Oh, he read the first trilogy. Okay, and uh, I was just mentioning as well that I've been struggling with Malazan, appreciating a lot of things about it. But I, you know, again, you know, peer pressure. <laughs> I blame Steve and these guys. I, uh, I, I, I started Malazan, and and I'm 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 loving parts of it and completely lost and 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 again, I think it would it's it's my pride being wounded because as an author who considers himself someone who writes immersive worlds and, you know, world building is a very big part of, of what I pride myself on. And I pride myself on having the intellect to be able to comprehend so, a complex, you know, plot. Um, there's moments I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and that's, oh, that's a scary feeling. I'm going to tell you one thing. It's okay not to like or love Malazan. You know, join me on this side. There's a few of us who are like not Malazan fans, and it's absolutely okay. You, you, you can just say this is not for me. This is for somebody who loves them. You know, like Blaze and Steve, they love them. That's okay. You know, and it's there's nothing against Steven Erickson or his you know giant sack. It's okay not to love them. You know, if you're if you don't want it, keep it aside. There's plenty of other books to keep you occupied. Mahir is correct. If you don't like it, it's perfectly fine. But I will give my two cents with Erickson's writing. He wrote Malazan with the perspective of anybody on a battlefield or in a great war could have a viewpoint perspective, even if it's just for two sentences. And you'll notice, like, I don't know how far you are in Gardens of the Moon, but you notice that he switches viewpoints very, very frequently. It's done on purpose. Some, some viewpoints last literally a sentence. That's it. And you never hear from him again for the rest of the series. Just having that mindset that... Any one person or being in the series could have a viewpoint. If you have that mindset, you should be okay if you want to pursue this. Um, it took me, as I said before, it took me three times to get through Gardens of the Moon before I finally had the courage to continue with the series. I'm glad I did. Um, but, yeah, it's definitely not going to be for everybody. Uh, and that's just the way books are. Like, not every book that, even the most popular books out there, some people just hate them. Um, it is what it is. It's what, what we do, what we do. Yeah. Well, and I, I did struggle with, with book three, with the Memories of Ice. It was the best lots, book in the series. Of, lots of points of views. Yeah, I did struggle with that one. We just had the discussion earlier today, but it was, it's very dense. And like you said, the, the constant points of view change, was that's it takes some getting used to. Mm-hmm. You guys are giving me some real comfort. Thank you for that, because I was feeling really stupid about not being able to... to, to even have a glimmer in some mm-hmm. in some instances of, of understanding about you know trying to link all the plot threads and to see some of them were very clear i understood how this related to this and you know but 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 what i'm doing right now is i'm i'm as blaze said i, I will say the prose is fabulous i and and a lot of the a lot of the the character work there are t- for me too, too many characters to really digest easily at once but some of the character work in some of my favorite characters is really good and i'm a big character person uh, you know some people are pl- i think here i think I'm, I'm i'm not sure please correct me for why i think i remember seeing or hearing um he's saying that you're much more of a plot driven uh, reader i think i mean and, 
Yeah, I, I love plot. Yeah, it's 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 like a huge you know if the plot is inventive, even if the characters are stereotyping, I'll, I'll be along the ride. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and and from 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 what I know of of my my friend Blaze here, he he kind of both like he likes his characters and but he also wants something that's going to keep him engaged and a plot that's rolling forward. I'm very much a character driven reader, extremely character driven. I write that way. Um, not that I don't think my I don't think I think my plots are garbage, but you know characters. It's that's how I read, especially it's what it's all about for me, but. Um, I find that Malazan, you know, like, I wish I could get more out of, you know, the characters that are really, you know, the, the tatter sales and, 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 you know, the, the, the people that I really end up, but they, then they disappear for like mm -hmm. chapters of time. And then I like, it was, it's not even like Game of Thrones where, you know, where, you know, sort of Song of Ice and Fire where, you know, you could read every other chapter. You mm -hmm. knew you're getting that character. If there's characters you didn't like, you know, you're getting the other character later on, but this is just... In this regards, you know, I feel Backer is a little bit, you know, Backer's work is a little bit stronger because it is pure. I mean, the world building and everything is there. It's like, a, you know, it's it's kind of like a pseudo Middle Eastern world. And I'm saying pseudo because it's like I know the Backer fans will collect the correct name, but it's it's kind of like that's how the premise starts out with. But there's a lot more. But it's it's very character driven. You know, there's uh, there's Akami uh, and I'm going to mispronounce the names, Kelhas. There's Esme. And you know, these are all characters. You only get like a limited POV through them throughout the entire series. And then there's one more, the Barbarian, uh, C-N-I-A-U-R, said, no, I don't know, I never know how to pronounce their, their names. But these have, you know, the story's very character went through them. And so you might like Backer more in that regards. But I, I feel like with, with Ericsson also, he he has his own characters. It's just that the world is so confusing that you kind of lose focus on the characters. And like, correct me if I'm wrong, please, right? Because you, would you say that? Yeah, so at least at first um, with Ericsson, you can't, the character, the characters. It was a hard time for me to latch on because the the viewpoints switch so frequently. You never know when they're going to come back. Um, it was more the first book. I think it's the first two or three books. Um, you have to latch on to the plot and the world building and what he's trying to build. It's very much similar to um, Paul with um, Curse of the Misreads. Book one is so dense and it's. Janny does that on purpose. Same thing with Erickson. He did this type of thing on purpose. And um, it's it's very it's very difficult. That's why it took me three times to get through it. Um, if you want characters to latch onto um, and you push through it, there are characters there that have their moments and that they stick they stick with you. But prepared, because and I know I'm sure you probably heard this. Book two takes place in a completely different continent with new characters. And then book three, it's back to the original characters in this one. Book four, same thing, another continent. And then book five, a separate continent from that. So Erickson had to do this from the beginning to get you used to the different time jumps. And going to another continent and starting from scratch, essentially, essentially with all of these different characters. And some of these characters that you learn are my favorites in the entire series. But it's another, it's like restarting the clock. Some people are not prepared to do that. It's okay. Um, but the ones who do and the ones who persevere, they'll be rewarded for it. But no, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm thick headed. So I want, I want to see what's going on. So I'm the same way. I'm a completionist and Steve knows me like, and so do you Blaze. Like I'm a, I'm a, you know, here, you'll get to know me. I'm a completionist and I'm, I'm a, I'm a planner and I feel the need to like, you know, if I start something I need to finish it. And, you know, I mean, I see that Steve's gotten a lot out of this series. Obviously you have Blaze. Now I'm hearing Mahir's point of view, which is really valuable. So at least now you give me the freedom to know that if I don't end up sticking out or liking it, 
that I would not, at least I tried it, right? Yeah. At least I tried it. And, you know, but I know, Steve, in your deep dives, I remember watching you when your deep dives in Miles and, and, and I forgive, and I don't want to, I want to hear your perspective, Steve, but it sounds like for you, because you felt that, you know, like you were able to push through and kind of just ignore everything that you couldn't understand and then just appreciate for things you could. And then that got you like, is that how it went for, for the, your reading like of Miles? Yeah, and, like still the case. Yeah. And, and when I first tried gardens of the moon, I had to put it down because I, I didn't know what was happening and I, I need to know, like, I need to know why mm -hmm. this is happening. And I had to get past that and just, just read and just go along for the ride and just let go. Because if you want to know everything that's happening, you will not enjoy it. You will not enjoy the series. Even now in book three, I want to know what's happening. I still don't really have, a, I don't feel like I really know everything that's happening. So it's, you just have to let that go and just, just kind of go along for the ride. Cause you, you, you'll, I drove myself crazy when the first time I read gardens of the moon, you just, you, you just don't know what's happening. And that's the big hurdle with the series. You yeah. don't know what's happening. You probably, you're not going to know until six or seven books in. And even then there's twists that you're not going to understand. It's done that way on purpose. So it's done that way going through when you read the series for the first time, the first 10 books and you get to the end and you have all like the revelations of what happens, you read it again, which I did. It's like you're reading the series for the first time because there's, between the lines and every single thing that Erickson puts in, he knows in his mind what's what he's trying to do, and you, but you, your brain is not trained to see it. And when you have all the information and you read it again, you're seeing the little hints. You're seeing the revelations. You're seeing the dots being connected. That's what Janny does as well, um, Paul. <laughs> I can tell you yeah. firsthand from experience. Yeah. Yeah. So no. if you continue with it and you see like what's going on and the revelations, It'll make so much more sense going through it a second time. It, it's a series meant to be read multiple times. It's not meant to be read just once and forget it. And I love finding series like that because they're not, I don't think they're super easy to find. And the ones who pull it off fantastically um, are, should, be, are, should be praised like to high, to high heavens oh, if you put it through. Like I'm sure, I'm sure The Wheel of Time has, is similar to that as well, reading it multiple times. And I'm sure... Um, our Scott Backer's work is the same thing as well, which I want to get back into. So, so and I trust you, Blake. I know you have a back. You wouldn't steer me wrong. But Mahir, you haven't. I'm here. You have not read Jenny's work, correct? No, you I have read her. I have read her trilogy with, uh, you know, Raymond Feist. The oh, okay. trilogy. Okay. I love her. Work. I love that trilogy. Like it's one of my all-time favorites. Like I'm still astounded to this day why nobody has picked them up and you know made them into like a Netflix TV show or like a TV series. Like that would be perfect. But I haven't. Read coming. Her. They actually are. Yeah, they are. Oh, really? no, it's coming. Yeah, they picked it up. Yep. But yeah. I, I, I had I, like I, I remember this was last year, right? They they said that they had picked up the rights to the whole Magician trilogy and the Empire trilogy, but I don't know if it was already into production. Like, was is it into production? I don't believe so. I don't. I can't confirm or deny. I don't okay. want to speak. Maybe Blaze might have more info on that, but I do know that it was picked up. Oh, well, that's fantastic! Well, something to look forward to then. I know they picked. I, th I think they picked up some writers and they're putting together a cast. I don't think they've started shooting or anything. That's probably gonna be like a year down the road, but. It is very much in production. Fingers so. crossed. Then. Yeah, yeah. And I know Steve has not read Jenny Words yet. I think I've convinced him that hopefully yeah. to, to read her. But I just, and I know it's 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 apples to oranges, and these are all brilliant writers, Erickson, you know, Words, etc. But for me, Jenny's Words is extremely accessible despite mm -hmm. the density, and maybe because 
her prose just transports me and just brings me into work where I start looking for certain things. Mm-hmm. And and I don't that was just and it was just organic for me that way. And that's just how I link with the writing. Uh, Erickson is different for me so far that I that I despite that his prose is great and, and all that, it, it's a lot harder for me to, to access right. But that's just me. Every reader is different. So, you know, but um, no but, shame in uh, that. Yeah, no, no shame at all. So. Join me, Paul. It's okay. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to get through, I'm going to get through guys. I'm about halfway in and uh, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm going to plug away. I bought, I got the first three books. I picked them up at the bookstore the other day. And uh, I, my, my, my commitment is to read the first three books. If after the first three books, I just, I'll tap, I'm going to tap out. So we'll see what happens. I'll be relying on Steve's deep dives. Uh, be looking at those and watching those to try and help, you know, un- unfog my brain a bit. But if I get to that point where by the third book, and then I'm, I'm, I'm done. Whereas Jenny's series, I know for a fact, I'll read anything she writes. I plan to read every book she writes. Mm-hmm. It just, the writing just connects with me. And that's just, you know, there's, you know, that's, uh, there's nothing I can do about that. So, but anyways. Um, that's a good benchmark first three books because uh, Memories of Ice, um, my personal opinion is, I think it's the best book in the series. Mm-hmm. So if you get through those three and after that, it's not for you, then it's not for you. If you love the three after reading them, then, then continue with the series. That's the, that's the perfect benchmark is the first three books because it can be kind of read as a trilogy and then it expands more and more and more so okay well i want to know for for both both you gentlemen uh you've been bloggers for a, quite a while and and you know um obviously praised for your work as bloggers what what is what are your favorite books what are your books the, those series that of all time that they're they're just they're up there what what are what are your 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 go-tos that you you're like yeah that's a wrong question to ask of anybody here. I know you love books too. That's a very wrong question to ask. I know, but I, I want to know. <laughs> I'm going to let go Blaze first because I, I have a lot. So I'm going to just shut up. Well, I will begin, but I do have some books to show. So I'll show and tell. I'll start from the, I'll start from the top. Love um, my favorite series is uh, John Gwen's Faithful and the Fallen. I mm. fell in love with it when it first came out. Uh, it is perfect, like bridge gap for like classical uh, fantasy into like mo- the modern um, writing style or epic fantasy. I uh, just love the character work. I love the plot twists. I love Jung Wen's battle scenes, which is probably oh, yeah. the best you can read. Yeah. Um, my favorite series. Um, this is ju- I'm just going to give you my top five and then I'll show you some more. Um, the next one is Stormlight Archive. Um, those are just, they're fun books. They're, they're a lot dense. They're more dense than people think, uh, give it credit for, I think. Um, you never know what Sanderson is going to pull out of his hat with the world building, the magic system is what he's known for. Um, and I just I just love that series. Number three is The Wars of Light and Shadow by Jenny Wirtz. I, mm-hmm. I finished the series, uh, love it. It will forever be in my top top five. I'm planning on rereading it as soon as I possibly can. And that, that forever um, will be cemented. I love Jenny's writing. Um, number four, I actually you've just finished this series. I'm gonna show it to you. It's Ricardo Pinto's Stone Dance of the Chameleon series. Mm-hmm. The first one the book is called The Masters. Grimdark. It's it's just a dark fantasy like no other. Um, it's grimdark. It is it's a Mesoamerican type story about um, an outcast um, named Carnelian and his father. They're returning back to the capital of Osirikum for the election of a new god emperor. 
very, very grim, bleak. Um, there's like a plague going on. There's slaves who um, they remove their eyes for looking on the masters. That's why you see them in masks. Um, it's just very, very dark. But some of the most brilliant writing I think I've ever ever read in my life. So I will always promote this book. And he did the he did the uh, illustrations himself, Ricardo. Uh, so I love those. And uh, number five is uh, Malazan. Uh, it's always been uh, placed in my in my heart. Just rereading it, um, not for everybody, but that's what it is. And a runner up is uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky's uh, Shadows of the App series. Yes, fantastic, fantastic epic fantasy series. Mm -hmm. um, it combines uh, industrialization with um, magic mysticism, and how the characters—they're called Kinden—which take certain aspects of insects. And the world building that happens, it's just, it's second to none. The creative, mm -hmm. the creativity, the, um, the drive that Adrian has, the, the plot is brilliant. It's unpredictable. And I just, every time I read it, it's just, I, I can't say enough about it. So those are mine. And of course, Paul, I got yours right here, The Drowned Kingdom. Oh my um, gosh. I don't deserve to be on that. Yes, list. yes, yes. One yes. of my favorites. Okay. I I just finished, um, and I can't wait to continue the series. So, um, those are mine. I'm honored. I, I, I'm, and my series isn't finished. I'm only up. I'm only on the third book, right the third book now. But I'm humble. Those are. But thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> well, um, shout out to you know Shadows of the App, Adrian Tchaikovsky's. That is amazing. It's ten books. It's completed, and it also has like you know sub series within it. So you can read like the first three, the middle four, and the last three. Mm -hmm. And he does these amazing things because all the kinden are there they share aspects of insects but then there's land kinden there's sea kinden and there's air kinden and it's it's amazing it's mind-blowing like the seventh book i believe sixth or seventh book is like underwater and it it is again very underrated it's complete which you know a lot of i don't know a lot of readers are like complaining that you know these huge books these never get complete never get complete it's completed you can dive into it and it's amazing because adrian tchaikovsky is an amazing writer as well my TBR is growing by the second. <laughs> well, no, it'll get keep ready, growing. get yeah. ready to for me it'll to add growing. to it as well. Yeah. Well, so, so, so that's that's amazing, Blaze. Uh, like that's wow. That's that's quite the list too. That's quite the list too. So, so Mihir, what, what, what do you what do you got for us? Ah, uh, all right. So I I I, I can I can never select like the top ten because my list just keeps on increasing. I'm gonna just and uh, I'll just say that the ones which are in my mind right now. Uh, one of my favorite authors is this a guy called John Connolly. Uh, he writes mystery thriller books, but you know he it's it's with a hint of uh, supernatural. He has a series called Charlie Parker, but this book he wrote it you know because the book of lost things. This was from 20, 2006. It is to this day the book which makes me cry even after I read it over and over again. It is amazing, and he is you know if you like writers who like lyrical who will tug at your heartstrings, John Connolly. And he, fantasy fans don't know him, but he is huge in the thriller mystery market, like, you know, over on both sides of the Atlantic. Uh, there is, uh, I'm a huge fan of the, as an Indian, I'm a huge fan of the Mahabharata. It's like this, the world's biggest epic, but it has got everything. And uh, one of my, you know, favorite writer, writers wrote this book called, I don't know if you can see it, it's called Mirtunje, The Death Conqueror. It, it focuses on one Beautiful of the characters. Version called Karna, who is this you know, tragic hero, possibly one of the most tragic heroes ever to be found. And it's the story of the Mahabharata, but from his viewpoint. Again, I've read this over and over again. I love them to death. Uh, I also love you know, the Ash and Sand trilogy by Richard, uh, uh, Richard Nell. Very underrated, 
very underrated like you know it 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 begins as a low fantasy but then goes on to epic fantasy and it of course features and i know steve you know your team ruka but it features these two characters <laughs> ruka and uh you know the other a uh, kale uh who is, and it's kind of like a kane versus abel story but the key point is kane in this or abel in this is a cannibalistic person and he's a savant he's intelligent he's he has some sort of magical powers which he himself doesn't know and the world is you know there's this epic clash and that's how it begins um i also love uh dirk ashton's patronus trilogy because again it has mm. it is to my mind you know it's the only series which kind of combines the all of the world's mythology and it makes sense you know it like he has kind of come, come up with a convoluted timeline but it actually makes sense that how these different mythologies you know are still the same and everything and He's kind of written like this epic clash in the end with with all sorts of gods and monsters and everything. He's kind of like wow. the token of the urban fantasy okay. world. Yeah. And he's written like his knowledge of mythology truly worldwide is is being used fantastically over there. Um other series which come to mind, Mark Lawrence with his, you know, uh Red Sister, Grey Sister, Holy Sister. Uh I know there's, you know, his other Grimdark books are bigger, but I love this series trilogy a lot. Um uh, and I'm gonna have to, oh, Heart Strikers by Rachel Aaron. I don't know if uh, if you all have read it. It's like this dystopian comedy, urban fantasy, sci-fi set in like, you know, post-apocalyptic Detroit called Detroit Free Zone. And it features Mesoamerican dragons. And it is funny as hell. And she's one of my all-time favorite writers. Like I, I read every, I've read every book of hers. I've reviewed every book of hers, but this series is like, a, holds a special place in my heart. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm forgetting a lot more series. Uh, there's one book which hasn't been published yet, but I got to read like a, you know, the, uh, kind of like a, I beat read for the author, Rob J. Hayes. Yes. Uh, I love his books, you know, I yeah. love, I have read all of his books, but he has not yet released this book. He calls it his, his Age of the God Eater trilogy. Uh, I've read the first book, it's called Herald. It's from a viewpoint of a pacifist teenage girl. But in that world, you know, God has died because a, a group of kings killed God and now they hunt God's angels. So it's kind of like this epic world where you have these angels who are being hunted by these immortal kings and the fifth age is about to begin because this pacifist girl is who's going to be the next herald is supposed to you know herald the new age. But all the previous heralds were angels and this one is a human. So whose who side she will take? mind-blowing like i have read it i've been begging him to release that book but he's i don't know i think he's going to release it next year mm. i think that is going to be the book that blows everyone away um that's just to my mind but that those are some of my you know trilogy the series which i love i'm pretty sure i'm forgetting a lot more but there's going to be more mm. here's another uh, another tough question for both of you <laughs> what are some of the most underrated or undiscovered gems you've come across oh boy oh. yeah that's oh, a tough yeah. one um, well, I feel like I've talked about some of them in my like top top five. There's a, I think there's a few more I can go into. Um, let me actually grab one of this because this is actually a um, whoop. Sorry about that. This is actually a genre blender. Um, Winterset Hollow by uh, Jonathan Edward Durham. Uh, it's been getting a lot of um, a lot of steam uh, lately. So what it is, it's a genre blender of kind of like urban fantasy. A little bit of like folklore and um, a touch of horror. So imagine if your favorite childhood um, fables or stories, imagine they're not 
make believe. Imagine they're real. So you have three characters that are kind of right out of high school or college, I believe. They go to the original birthplace of Winterset Hollow, the author who wrote it, in like a kind of like a an island off the coast of Seattle, I believe. And when they get there, they see this ancient house and they notice that wow, these stories are real and it turns turns everything on its head and it'll just it'll shock you. You need to you need to um, not be squeamy for some of the grimmer scenes. But if you read it, I promise you'll you'll be mind blown. Uh, I've loved it when I first read it. I'm probably going to reread it again. Uh, can't can't say enough high praise for that. Another one, and excuse me for this, is right here. Um, Lamentation by Ken Scholes. Um, this has been. I don't see anybody talking about this series at all. Mm-hmm. It's a pure genre blender of science fiction and fantasy. It's based on, it's very religious. Um, and basically it starts with like the cataclysm of a, um, of a city, like a religious city. And the characters are picking up the pieces. It starts off basic. And then the more books you read, the more grim you see it. And some of, and Ken takes a lot of chances with, uh, it does some things that you're not used to seeing. So this one, I uh, actually just got the first three book, fiscal books. I've read the series. Um, can't wait to get back into it. And uh, I guess the final one I'll get into, which I, this is one of my first um, reads. Actually, I have two more. Um, this one, Seasons of oh, yes. Abaddon. Yes, yes, this was, I think this was a semifinalist yeah, in the last, last one. Yeah. So it's a bunch of, it takes place, there's four sections for each season, winter, fall, su- spring, and summer. And it's based off of um, the best analogy I can give for this is, you know, uh, like all the Disney um, Disney movies, um, how the, they all have like good, good stories and the happy endings. Have you ever have you read the fables that they're based off of how they're not oh. so happy yeah. <laughs> yeah. and yeah. how they're grim and they're kind of like gross in some yeah. areas? Yep. That's what this is. Each uh. each um, season is like the story goes along and it doesn't have the ending you expect and they're linked to each other. Um, I've never read writing like this. It's, it's different. It's unique. And it's, it's something you'll very much enjoy. And of course, got to give a shout out. I don't have the book on hand to um, hollow bones by uh, Tim Hart. Yes. Yes. Epic, epic yes. fantasy, yes. Uh, uh, Nordic inspired epic fantasy, very much in the same vein of um, a little bit of game of Thrones, but a lot of Robin Hobb influences yeah. in that one it's it was a finalist um i think i was one of the first ones to rate rate and review it um can't speak enough about it i absolutely love that book and the sequel with, yeah. with all my heart so Fantastic. definitely give those books a read all right well uh that got me thinking uh <laughs> i the one thing which the one book which comes to my mind and to this day i'm surprised that you know people haven't heard of it or picked up it is is this really small tiny book called devil's cave by rob c rogers I wish I had a paper. Co- I do have a paper copy. I just started with me, but it is this book. The only way I can, I can, you know, uh, describe it is: imagine the Sopranos meets the Avengers in like a hot, sweaty Louisiana town that was founded by a pirate. And the legend okay. is that that pirate, that 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 town, it's, it's called Devil's Cape. It's always going to be, you know, have a criminal under mastermind who keeps on coming up. And every time, every few, you know, few decades, it's somebody else. And it's it's this the the writing is incredible because Rob C. Rogers came out of nowhere. This is a book from the early two thousands, 
I happened to found it in like a used bookstore and I just, the cover was also not that great, but I just happened to like the blurb and I picked it up and that book blew away my mind. Uh, it was entered in SPFP a couple of years ago. It did, you know, because the author, I think the author got the rights back. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't really do well, but like to this day, I will love for people to pick that up just because if you love crime, if you love this incredibly built city and if you love superheroes and if you love this you know characters like you know who are coming up you know trying to fight and trying to find their origins it's just an incredible mix and unfortunately i don't know why the author hasn't written the sequel because the way the book ends you want the next book now it is the ending is worthy of like you know the first uh the ending of a game of thrones like you know how Apologies for the spoilers. The show is out. Everybody yeah. has seen what happens yeah. at the end of first season of Game yeah. of Thrones. But imagine that level of shock, you know, of wow. when Danny does what she does. This book ends on that some a similar level mm. like that. And it mm. it blows my mind. And of course, nobody has heard of it. So that is an okay. underrated gem that I would say people need to jump jump on. It's on Kindle. It's a, it's a, it's available as an ebook. You can, you know, you can buy the paperback copy as well. Again, ignore the cover. The cover is it it's bad, but the book is equally as good. As bad as the cover is, the book is that good, <laughs> is all I can say for it. Uh, recently, I came across uh, this book. It's called Sons of Darkness. My review that. is going to be coming out next next week. This book, I, I am so glad Gaurav Mohanty, he's an Indian author. He, you know, he pitched it as like you know, the, uh, the India's first dark fantasy. As an Indian fan, I was super hyped for this. And I feel like this book is written with me in mind just because, again, I love the Mahabharata. What this book does, it takes characters from the Mahabharata. It takes characters from, like, you know, the epic Indian lore, puts them in, a, like, a Song of Ice and Fire settings, you know, where the world has, like, there's different nations, there's feudal, you know, conflict and everything. But it's purely based from the character viewpoint. And then it has the really dark stuff going on. Uh, if you... If you love Mao Zan, it will give you the similar feeling that, you know, you are placed in this world, you kind of are, you know, it doesn't make sense because, of course, you know, I don't expect Western readers to know everything about uh, Indian or Hindu mythology or the characters' names. But the, the the writer has made it very accessible. Thank God for that, because, you know, not everybody can be as good as Steven Erickson. And this book and this cover and everything is just amazing. Uh, I'm also running this. This is actually the copy I'm going to be giving away as a, you know, you know, in a giveaway next week as well, just because I love this book and I want more people to uh, yeah. grab hold of it. Um, oh, and this is not an underrated gem, but like I love the Stardust team. Uh, Chelsea Abdullah needs to be celebrated for writing such a fun sword and sorcery book, you know, set in like a Middle Eastern Arabic settings. It is. I loved it. I cannot speak. I I, I I wish to review it. I'll hopefully review it. But some of my other co-bloggers have reviewed it. It's it's lovely. And um, any other underrated gem that I can think of? Oh, dear God, I'm going to kill myself later on because I forgot some of <laughs> <laughs> uh, Oh, the Mortal Technique series by Rob J. Hayes oh, featuring yeah. Never yeah. Die, Pawns Gabbit, and Spirits of Vengeance. If you love Asian, like if you love sword and sorcery, but set in an Asian world with you know with not ninjas, but like samurai settings called Shinte in this world, with featuring really cool Chinese and Japanese you know mythological creatures and everything, with slight touches of horror, but it's heroic fantasy, and each book is a standalone. Um, I know I have those books up up. I wish I had the copies down here, but I should have. Thought. But those books, yes, those are. Again, not as popular as they should be because they are so fantastic. Um, and I hope he writes more. 
because I want more books in that setting. Wow, those are some great under the radar. Some of them I've heard of, some of them I completely haven't. And uh, I've read uh, Prince of Ventures. I can't comment it. Mm -hmm. um, it's currently in SPFPO. I can't comment, but I have read it. So. Oh wow! Oh yeah, right. That's right. You're you're the you're part of bets be, before we go block for SPFPO. Yeah, well, I'm, but I, I'm all excited to see what you think of it. When are you? Think, you know, I have read it. Sorry, I think I'll let Steve read out the questions that are. Oh, uh, Shah just says, Mihir, I've been reading uh, your reviews for a long time, since 2013 or 14. You got me into quite a few oh. series back before BookTube was big. I want to thank you. Shah, I remember you. You were one of the first people who commented on the Goodreads reviews of mine. So, hello. Yeah. Pattern, this is amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Heart, heart Strikers. Some love for Heart Strikers. Awesome. awesome. Uh, how did you ties that Bind Trilogy by Rob J. Hayes? How did you... How oh. did you? I think. How did you like? I think. Oh, I loved it. Uh, that was the first series. Uh, uh, the story. Uh, there's quite a story behind it. Like you know, during that time, this was this was in 2013 when you know Rob had released the books. I did not know him, but uh, my father was you know had cancer at that time. Oh, and, sorry. Uh, and I was I was in a six month reading funk. Like I I could not focus. Like if I picked any book up, I would read a page or two and then just put it down because my mind was not in the right place and. I, again, in one of those nights when I was sitting with my father, he's, you know, he's getting treatments, he's in the ICU, he was unconscious. So we were just, I was to just sit with him and, you know, help him when he, if he would awaken. And on, I was surfing on Amazon and I come across this, again, a book with a really horrible cover. And I truly mean this because I love Rob J. Hayes. If you look up his original covers for the Ties That Bind trilogy, his debut trilogy, and he'll be the first person to admit it, they were, for lack of a better word, not that good. Uh, and I, I just happened to find this book on Amazon and I liked the blurb. I, it was for 99 cents. I just bought it. I'm like, what the hell? You know, I'll just try it. I started reading at night. I thought I'll read a few pages and then I'll see. I could not stop feeling, you know, I could not stop reading. I finished the entire book in that night. The next two books were also available. I bought them, The Color of Vengeance, The Price of Faith. I finished them over the weekend. And I was like, who is this guy? You know, I had not heard of, this was back in 2013. You know, ebooks weren't as popular, but they were kind of coming up. Indie publishing was also not that popular, but it was you had a few gems here and there, like Anthony Ryan, David Dalglish. And I had not heard of this guy. So I looked him up. He was this British dude on this website. I, I contacted him over email, like, you know, hey, do you, can I interview you? And he was very kind enough to, you know, uh, to talk to me. And I interviewed him. And since that day, I became like an Rob J. His fan, and he hasn't disappointed. Ties that bind the you know the the duology, the pirate duology, which came after that. Uh, I'm forgetting the title of it. The Bound something. Uh, then he releases City of Kings, which is the standalone. He's released the oh, I get to show off the War Eternal trilogy books. I don't know if you all love this, but recently he's released these gorgeous hardcovers of the War Eternal trilogy. Uh, so 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 gorgeous with Felix by Felix yeah, Ortiz and Sean yeah. and the mortal techniques and everything. I am a Rob J. Hens fans for life because he rescued me from the mental dump in oh. that in that time, and he has never disappointed me. So that's the sure. That's how I found Rob J. Hens. Shot. That's an amazing story. Thanks so much for sharing. That's amazing. That that touches my heart. That's an amazing story. Um, um, I Steve like. You know, I think, and again, you know, for the three of you, I came to blogging after writing. And for the three of you, you've been doing this stuff prior to, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, you know, 
in a three you're going to write someday. I have I have hopes and some guesses that maybe some of you will, but um, you know, and I, I I'd love to read that. But um, I just I guess I have a question for three of you about blogging and about um, you know what you do and how. I mean, I've always said, and I'm sure most writers feel this way that that bloggers, YouTubers, that you folks are the unsung heroes of the writing community because you know number one most people don't get paid steve put up a great uh, video on monetization as a, as a youtuber i recommend you check it out if you haven't seen it you know uh, for a lot of bloggers it's it's for free you're investing time and money especially if you have uh, a youtube channel uh, whether you, you you do it only through written form like it's one of those things that definitely has to be a labor of love like but again without people getting the word out about our books especially for indie authors you know, a lot of us wouldn't be as successful as we are. So, uh, you know, what do you see your role is as a blogger, as a YouTuber for all three of you? Like, what, you know, what makes you do this? Like, what, besides your love of books, like, what what role do you feel you serve um, in, in, in what you do? And why do you do it? So, I guess I'll, I'll start off. Um, I've been blogging for about two years, and it happened right smack in the middle of the pandemic when I was at home, working remotely, didn't do anything different besides work, wake up, work. The only time I left the house was just to go get the mail. And I needed an outlet after doing this for six months. So I looked up how to start doing blogging. I used WordPress, I did all the research and I asked some people for help. And they said, yeah, you should definitely do this. My The reason I wanted to do it is because at least back, back then, like in the early, 2010s and going up to when I when I started doing this, I noticed that there was so many great series out there that were not getting noticed or were not giving notoriety that they deserved. So that's that. And then I I actually googled the blog names. Like, is there under the radar SFF books? Is this taken? And to my shock and surprise, it wasn't. <laughs> so I saw that as I wanted to tackle like a niche in in the book blogging community of giving like a boost and love to authors, um, whoever they are, whoever they may be, whatever their background was, it didn't, doesn't matter to me. If, if the book is fantastic and I love the characters and I love the plot, I'm going to promote it. It doesn't matter to me like how popular you are, how unpopular you are. Um, and that's what, that's why I do it. I don't do it for, I don't get paid. I don't do it for the ARCs or sometimes, sometimes authors send me books. I don't do it for that. I do it to give back um, because my whole life I've always wanted, if someone gave me like a little boost or helped me out, I always try to repay the favor. And I, I wanted to do something for people who may not have the either the resources or the marketing team or the notoriety to get their work out there. Um, I didn't, I never expected um, it to take off to where it has. I never expected like people reading my reviews that they I would be like popular or anything. That's not what I do it for. I, I do it out of care and love. It's a, it's a labor of love thing. And that's, that's what I do. And I recently started a podcast, which I believe has done pretty well. I need to get back onto that. And I'm sorry for those listeners of mine who haven't, I haven't released one in like a couple of months, but I'm definitely going to get back on that. I promise. Steve, you're up next. Oh, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, I just, um, well, I don't do half the, half the work that these two gentlemen do, but, um, 
I just wanted to someone to talk to about books, and I, I've always been a fan of indie books. I used to read a lot of indie comics, like horror comics or um, you know, like the non-superhero stuff, not the capes and tights kind of thing, but more of the like the crime noir stuff. Um, so when I started reading novels, I wanted to read indie books because that's just what I enjoy. Kind of the um, I like to like to find those things that most people don't know about. So when they are popular, I can say, "Oh, I I read that. <laughs> I've read that." And I just wanted someone to talk to, and I felt like um, there's a great book community that I wanted to be a part of, and it's been uh, quite an experience. All right, well, echoing what Steve and Blaze said, you know, similar to both of them, you know, I, I was growing up in India, and it seemed like I was, I was the only person trying to read books whom nobody knew about. I had one friend of mine, and we were the only both geeks who would be talking about the same book. So when I emigrated to the U.S., I was so glad to be able to find books or at least bookstores where I could buy books easily because, you know, shipping to India was impossible or I would just tell my mom to like, you know, get them from the library. And, you know, if I would make the trip, I would read them. I, similar to what Blaze said, you know, uh, for me, it was more of like, I needed an outlet to talk to people or at least to say, read this book. This is fantastic. You know, because that's one of the things which I feel that I'm good at. Like I can recognize this book is good versus this book is perhaps not as good or it's not meant for me. And it's just this urge of wanting to tell or at least telling other or connecting with other people and say, hey, look, there's this really good book, read it. And of course, you know, everybody reads the popular books, but nobody reads the ones which are like perhaps fall under the radar. Like Blaze mentioned, you know, there's oftentimes it depends on, you know, luck of the draw, even with publishers, like some people mm -hmm. get picked up and they get promoted really well. And it helps them But there are some books which are so great, but then they're not promoted uh, and there's you just they just fall off the radar. Doubly so for indie books, because indie authors are doing so much on their own. They have to book their, they have to get their cover art, they have to do their own manuscript, they have to upload it into Amazon, then they have to do publicity. And of course, a lot of blogs, when we were starting out, I remember, they would not even touch indie books with like a 10-foot pole. Uh, not to do the FBC's haunts. We did look at some indie books, and that's how we discussed some of the authors. But, you know, we always felt like, you know, that, okay, it doesn't matter if the book is well-written, we will give it a shot. Ignoring the cover, of course, that's how we discovered many more gems as well. And so for me, it's like that, you know, I wish to be able to talk to books, keeping uh, reading and, you know, writing reviews keeps me sane. Um, it's just an, it's like a healthy outlet for me. Like, you know, it, it gives the energy me a way, a place to go. And I can then talk to wonderful people like you. That's how I got interested in Steve, because I was not a, I was not into books, uh, the booktube community. I did not know anybody. Steve was the first person whom I reached out to me. And that's, you know, thanks to him and you know, following all the people he interviews, I've got introduced to many more book reviewers and booktubers whom I follow all on as well. So that's, it's been cool and it's been a lot of fun. Nice. And Blaze, I wondered, starting under the radar SSF books, was it hard to get that started to get some traction? Because there's so many people looking for reviews of the of the popular books. How did you gain traction for the under the radar books that you wanted to help put a spotlight on? So, going going into blogging, I was this is my mindset. Just don't when writing reviews and thinking if you want to do it, don't write the reviews you think people want to read. Write the reviews you want to read yourself because there's a thousand blogs out there and there's a thousand different people who review books how do you cut through like all the all the, the noise and everything you got to be true to yourself because if you're not true to yourself and what you want to read and what you like to read you're no good to anybody so when i first started the first book i read and i'm going back this is a series that uh has not gotten a lot of traction it was actually the six gun tarot by uh, our, our 
um, R.S. Belcher. Mm -hmm. It's a weird Western um, uh, story. It's just fantastic. Different, there's several different viewpoints. Each viewpoint has a secret. Some of them you find out, some of them you don't find out. It's just brilliantly done. So what I did was I wrote the review, posted on my blog, uh, started a Twitter account, uh, posted the review on it, tagged the author, and then away you go. And if, if the author likes it, they'll comment on it, he'll retweet it, and that's slowly how you're going to start to grow your, um, your platform. And a lot of, there's some uh, reviewers who I follow, they kind of get frustrated when sometimes you post something and no one comments on it. It's like into the ether and no one is paying attention to you. It could get depressing. Um, just know there's always somebody reading. There's always somebody watching. Just keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job. And um, good things are going to happen. It just takes takes time. I never thought I would get. I, I never thought I would grow this this fast at all. Yeah, I think it was just luck of the draw. But um, we're always here to support each other. And if you need any information, feel free to reach out to me. Happy to happy to help. What yeah. about you, Mihir? Did you did you have any trouble? How do you gain traction for these books that uh, kind of lesser known books that you're writing reviews for? Ah, honestly, I'm, 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 <laughs> I, I wish I was as popular or I wish fantasy book critic was as popular as some of like, you know, the bigger, uh, YouTubers like, you know, Daniel B. Green or, uh, you know, Patrick even, Patrick Leo. Uh, but again, similar to what Blaze's point, uh, I don't know how much, I mean, we, we, we can see there, there's getting, we are getting hits, you know, per day or something like that. We hope that those people read those reviews and pick it up. Um, my own, I, I'm the I'm the I'm, I'm the worst person to talk to this because I'm very lazy. I I do not do I I I, I wish I was uh, you know I, I wish I could say that there is one perfect method of like making sure that Jabob becomes block becomes popular or something like that. But similar to what Blaze said, I can only you know chime in with that and say like you know keep doing like just try to write a good review, try to highlight what why this book made you know made made it exciting for you or what you loved about this book. Even if one person picks it up that's a win because that's a win for the author. Like, you know, that author was, you know, you helped find somebody connect with that book because that author has taken the time to write such a good book and you are able to connect it to some, you know, somebody else. Hopefully when you're on Twitter or on Facebook or Discord and who else, you can convince other people without shouting at them. You know, you can just say, hey, here's why I love this book. Check it out. Maybe you'll like it. And if enough people like it, then, you know, other bigger bloggers or other bigger YouTubers can, you know, get attracted to it and then they will publicize it because that's a win too. If you can attract the attention of somebody big who will then pick that up and say, hey, I found this. I love this. That's a win for the author. It might not look for a win for you, but that's a win for the author and that's what you're here for. So I guess I look at it that way. Yeah, I definitely want to commend you all for what you do, and uh, it's fantastic. And I, I don't know if you all realize, and I say this to Steve all the time, um, I, I haven't had the, the, the pleasure to say it to me here because I, I have followed a lot of his reviews. And, of course, Blaze, who I, you know, again, along with Steve, I, I, I have so much gratitude for what they've personally done to promote my work. So, you know, I, but I want to thank you guys for what you do uh, for the writing community. It is, it is sometimes very, like I said, it's unsung tough sledding and but I also don't think I don't know if you all realize how influential we've all become because for me from the outside looking looking in I see the credibility that you bring to work and I see the way people look to you I mean you can tell by the questions people looking to you as authorities and you know and and I guess now that I'm on the blogging side I'm seeing I'm understanding more about that and what that means 
and the responsibility that you carry um, in terms of, you know, um, people do look to you as, as, as someone giving an opinion that they're hoping they can trust. And, you know, um, you know, as I always say, and I'm, I know you, you three are all the same way, you do your best to emphasize and highlight the positives of a book as much as you can, uh, you know, and then, you know, so there's a, a disproportionate uh, balance between, you know, the positives are like this and the negatives are like this, it, even if the book didn't work for you, right? So, um, you know, but but I know um, you all take your jobs, your your jobs, your your passions, <laughs> not your job, they pay for it uh, very seriously. And, you know, I do want to thank you on behalf of writers, because I wear the two hats, but my writing half, uh, thanks you all so much for what you do. And and like I said, I mean, plays, I mean, I, you know, I, I'm taking this opportunity to embarrass you, uh, you know, say, say thank you so much for, for I mean, you know, I know that, uh, you know, you were somebody who took an interest in my work and, and you know, helped, helped get it, spread the word out there. And, and it's meant so much to me. It's, it's, it's really made a difference in terms of my readership. So, so thank you for doing that. You're very welcome. Your series is a, everyone should be, should read your series. It's that, it's that good. Um, it kind of, it was a throwback to old classical um, fantasy and the, the writing style. And then it's, it's turning into an, an epic of its own. So I can't wait for book three. I know you have it. Uh, you're itching to get that out. So I'll keep pestering you about that. <laughs> well, I, I think, um, you know, as, as planned from last time, um, you know, you'll be doing the, the release, the, the initial release as we did last time, like last can't time. Wait for that so Lord and King. So, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited too. I'm working hard. It'll be out. It'll be out uh, around the same time. So, uh, lovely. Sorry, uh, sorry. Paul, if, I, if I may interject, uh, you have a 90 book series plan, right? I remember hearing one of your interviews in the start. Like you have this massive plan, right? Oh, honor. 20 books, yeah. 20 books. Okay. Yep. Yeah, but not not 20. So one. seven books in initial series, mm -hmm. two separate prequel trilogies, and then another seven books. So. You know, I wouldn't subject you to just twenty books. Uh, we are we are all epic fantasy fans. Like we love big books. We don't we don't have to apologize for it. So it's it's great. Very ambitious. That's all I'll say. Yeah, uh, like I said, if I live long enough, uh, you'll you'll get all twenty books, and hopefully, you know, someone will read them. Right. So, uh, <laughs> sorry, I let Steve get to the question here. Oh no, it's okay. Uh, Shot says another underrated series that is really good if you enjoy First Law and Grimdark is the Grim Company series by Luke Skull. Have you guys heard of it? Mm -hmm. I've heard uh, of it, yep. Yep, I read it, uh, read it uh, as well. All the entire three books are amazing. It's got shades of like Joe Abercrombie, like especially the first book. It it's it's kind of like it. There's there's one character who's kind of literally reminds us, you know, of Blotka. Uh, Blotka, which Blotka. is oh, yeah. favorite yes. characters ever. One of them. Yes, and uh, the beauty is though, you know, the Grim Company begins out as like this. It's got shades of David Gemmell because one character is this this incredible warrior who's old, and of course he has uh, a, a fellow warrior with him who's you know taciturn and who has these twin axes and everything. And it begins out as, uh, you know, it's kind of like a combination of that. And it goes into high fantasy mode by the second and third book. And then the third book has like this incredible ending where there's, I don't want to spoil it. There's, it goes beyond fantasy is all I'll say. Uh, it's a highly underrated series. Uh, unfortunately, the, the author had some mental health issues, which is why he could not, you know, come out with like the sequel books. Because I believe he had two sequel books, like standalone sequel books planned in the world. But I believe he's working on it. He's, you know, Luke Skull is on Twitter. He's on Facebook. He posts on the Fantasy Faction uh, Facebook group as well, or the Grimdark uh, Fiction Readers group, Facebook group. And I believe he's working on something. He'll come out whenever it does. But, you know, whenever it does, it is, he's an author to watch out for. Like, you know, if you haven't read The Grim Company, 
it is if you love Joe Joe Abercrombie, if you love David yeah, Gemmel, yeah. if you love if you love fast paced action, and like an incredible world with lots of cool dialogue and cool characters and unpredictable plot twist, it is it is a trilogy and it's complete. It's a trilogy that is complete as well. So again, for those readers who who wish for completed books, it should not be the case. But still, what are you, Blaze? Have you uh, have you read that uh, the uh, Grim I've read The Grim Company, but that was like, I think it was like four or five or six years ago. And I thought it was good. I didn't, I haven't picked up the the sequels yet, but I probably would want to reread the first book uh, anyway. I have it. It's at, it's at my parent, parents' house. So looking forward to picking that back up and continuing, but it's been, it's been a, it's been a minute since I've read it. I want to ask you guys, um, so, and I know this is maybe more a complex question. So, you know, for example, for me, you know, I, I one of the beauties of uh, being part of Before We Go blog, and Beth is amazing. Big shout out to Beth Talbot Before We Go blog. She's an incredible leader. Steve and I are both members of, of Before We Go, and, 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 you know, she's fantastic. She does give us a lot of freedom to read what we like to read. Um, you know, uh, what guides your TBR choices? here in plays like what you know i mean in some cases you know again if you're judging for spfo which i know you've both done of course it's because you know it's 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 part of a mandatory reading because you're 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 giving feedback for to decide whether or not books move on to competition but what in general drives your reading choices is it more mood if you're a mood reader is it certain books that are the certain books you feel you have to read to feel well read in fantasy we've, we've grappled with this question before on previous um you know page showing episodes especially with bloggers like you feel there's you know there's this there's these gatekeeper type series that you feel you have to read like the malazans and like if you don't read it you're not you know you're not as well read as you should be like what guys are reading your tbr choices so i'm a hundred percent a mood tbr reader so i have my list of books i need to get through and i'll pick up the first one i'll read the first chapter and i'm like nope not gonna not gonna work not right now <laughs> so i pick up the next one this is actually what i'm reading uh current currently misfit misfit soldier uh it's very 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 fun it's kind of like a um it's a sci-fi soldier story about um but in the same same vein as like oceans 11 the guy's a con, con artist so it, it's like a light fun type read and that's what i'm in, that's what i need to read now i'm in the mood for after just finishing to write house chasm which is very dense and very emotional and I, I need to do something different from what I just read in order to get back to the groove. Because if I read the same thing over and over and over again, like if I read the full Malazan book one after another after another, I'd be in a very dark place. I can't do that to myself. I know what I need to get back. So I'm I'm 100% a mood reader. Steve, what about you? Well, for me... Um... I prioritize my, my group reads. So whenever I'm reading with a group, I prioritize those first. And then I'm trying to get better about committing to less of those. And <laughs> just, because I, I was struggling to keep up with so many, because it's fun, but it's hard to keep up with so many group reads and schedules and, you know, meetups. And while it's a lot of fun, it's it can get overwhelming. So I'm trying to pace myself. And between that, I'm just, um, I've just been trying to mood read, which is weird for me because I'm usually not, not a mood reader i'd like to plan everything out but i've just been like i'm gonna get this book off my shelf that's been sitting there for six months that's been pretty fun so i'm trying to be better about that paul you should answer this question as well because you've been asking us all of these interesting questions but you haven't been talking oh, no not at all I talk too much i think um I, I, I'm, unfortunately i'm an extreme planner 
I, I, I do allow more mood reading in my schedule now that I'm getting older and I feel that that's important um, because you want to be able to, you don't want to have regrets in life. You want to be able to sit back and say, you know what? I read the books I want to read, right? That said, I try and what I do is I set up theme months. So each month I, I plan out the year and what, what I plan to read in general in this month, leaving some, some latitude, some room for some changes in general, but within still in the scope of that particular theme. So for example, January might be classic fantasy. So, you know, any fantasy is written 20 years ago. So from that, I think I have a wide range. I can pick some things that I like that, you know, fall into that category. Uh, uh, it's things like uh, February, Ben uh, Literature Lo-Fi, yep. a fantastic, fantastic fella and wishing him all the best. Um, you know, he he inspired uh, me, for example, to get into the February she wrote, um, you know, stuff where you read uh, to dedicate to the much reading uh, authors that identify the pronouns uh, she her so that was great that 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 really really was fantastic to do like specifically devote a month to doing that because there's so many amazing authors that fall to that category and that was great you know i might have you know a month for a debut fantasy right mm -hmm. um you know so I, I i have these theme months so i have the the latitude to choose books within that category it kind of helps shape my reading but yet i can still read books that you know kind of interest my tbr but mostly, I am a planner. I do plan out my reads uh, for the most part. See, that's pretty cool. I wish I could do that. Um, for me, it's like uh, it, it's mostly like it, it, it's 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 a combination of three things. One, SPFBO because I've been taking part in it since the start, so it's become like a thing on the calendar. So I, I one third of my time is dedicated to SPFBO books. Uh, I'm partly also partial to the authors that I love. So if I know if a book is coming out by Dirk Ashton, Richard Nail, Rachel Aaron. John Conley, um, Rob J. Hayes, um, oh dear God, David Douglish. I'm going to kill myself here. I keep on forgetting authors. Uh, Jeffrey Deaver. I also read a lot in the mystery thriller genre. So Jeffrey Deaver, Douglas Preston Lincoln Child, uh, anything like that. So if they come up with books, you know, I'm going to jump on those because they are they're they have they have wowed me in the past. I know that they will deliver. Uh, Alec Hudson as well. Uh, and then besides that, there is also newer books, you know, because of course, traditional publishing is coming out and then indie publishing has boomed. So you often find the craziest of books, which are like so incredible that you have to read them. And so it's like a mix of those. I, The pandemic turned me a little bit of a mood read eater because then I could not read new books. I just went to my old classics and I used to reread them. But now I realize that I can't keep on reading books because then I won't read new books. So it's like this. I wish I was, and I know Literature Lo-Fi, Benjamin did that, you know, February she wrote. I wish I was, I had more time because then I could devote, like, and I know there's like self-published August or something like that that's coming up. So in I wish I could do that. Yeah, in the August, thank you. Yeah. And, but I, I, I just find it so hard in between, you know, SPFPO, the other books that I have to read. And which is why I'm so glad that we have new blog members because then I can be like, okay, yes, here's these incredible people blog. You know, like give, to the, give to the newbies. <laughs> yeah, well, they, they, they are incredible because you know, there's, there's, the, and of course we have, I, I, I love him, Lucas, because he's yeah. a reading machine and yeah, he will post, machine. he'll read so diversely. So Lucas is kind of the driving force behind Fantasy Book Critic. There's Caitlin uh, who also posts yeah. her stuff. Now we have Shermany, we have Matthew Higgins, we have Daniel yeah. and we have V. So I can be like, okay, now I don't, there's like no mental pressure for me, you know, to be like, I have to read this because I know somebody else will and I can just pick up here and there and I can do like dual reviews and stuff like that. So it's it's good. And I, I, I just wish I was better at it, you know, so I keep on looking at to Steve and now thankfully Blaze as well and, uh, and lots of the other bloggers that I follow to kind of be like, okay, if they have picked something up, it's interesting. I'll go forward with that. Yeah, yeah, it's fascinating. 
that's fascinating. I feel like, um, and now too, and I've, I've talked about this, like you all influence my media taste. Like I'll see something, I'll see me here review something or, 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 or Blaze or Steve puts on the channel and be like, oh, like I said, the peer pressure is good. Like I, I, if they like, I have to check it out, right? And um, I find that more and more uh, in, from what I'm seeing of the writing community, that bloggers, YouTubers, starting to influence reading choices more and more. And I think a byproduct of the pandemic too, like you said, people shut inside. I know Blaze, that's how you said you kind of got started. That's how a lot of bloggers, we actually, when Steve and I talked to um, Zara and Angie Bukov uh, Brown Memphis, it was the same thing, that that's kind of what got their started. And I've heard so many bloggers say that that's when, you know, that's when they got started. It was the pandemic, right? And being cooped up inside and feeling, feeling the need to connect and express themselves and, you know, but, but what I'm saying is, you know, yeah, these, you know, I feel now that, you know, again, you get some of the bigger bloggers, the Daniel Greens I'm here mentioned, you know, the, the Petricks, they review your book and they like it. And suddenly, you know, it, it can make a rate your career. Right. So, you know, and what you have to realize is that, you know, you three gentlemen are, are ascending to that level as well. And you don't you don't realize it because, you know, we're, we're never really we're never really aware of, of how potentially influential we are. In terms of you know what our what our what our word means when we we put our name behind a book, so but but I I do feel that you know the one phenomenon I've seen a lot from from blogging now is that you know um, so uh, self-published books and specifically they are the ones that are you know really seeping their way into the blogs the blogs and YouTube's of 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 YouTubers blogs who'd never read it before so. Now they're they're starting to slowly take over, you know, a, a good a good portion of the TBRs. And can you guys, you know, for Steve Mahir and 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 Blaze, can you explain the phenomenon of what's going on with the the book industry right now and publishing and and reading with self-published versus traditionally published book like and fantasy like like what's what's going on here, right? Like how do we we sort through this? So. From my my perspective, it's at least back when I first started getting into reading, which was like early 2010, 2011, I noticed that the big sites and like the YouTubers, they were promoting and reviewing the popular stuff more, more or less. And that's because that's what people were reading. That's what people want to get reviews about. That's what they want to talk about. And that's all good. I love popular series. I'm, I'm, I will always be a fan of like John Gwen, Joe Abercrombie, Brandon Sanderson. You, you, the list goes on and on. You can name it. Um, I wanted to leave that to those those guys who wanted to review the those types of books. What became popular was the um, SBF, uh, Mark Lawrence uh, Indie Publishing Review. That became popular. And it's so popular to the point where people can't they can't ignore it anymore. And they want to be part of this. They want to be part of the big, okay, who's the finalist? Okay, what what is great about this story that I need to read about? And you see it now. Legacy of the Brightwash is getting a lot, lot, of, lot of popularity. All like the winners of the previous contests are, are like on Daniel Green's uh, YouTube channel. And all the big sites, they're picking them up, excluding authors who I loved uh, growing up that have not gotten the popularity they deserve are now getting that. Back when I started reading, John Gwynn was not a popular author. He didn't start getting popular until like 2017, 2018. And then it started to click. And I'm like, you guys are way behind the curve with John, with John Gwynn in this series. Um, I feel like it's, I always wanted to promote uh, 
indie books because that's the story those are stories that i grew up loving and those and these are the authors who they work their all authors work their tail off but these are the ones who they don't have like the big backers they don't have the big marketing deals they don't have like a pr team to to boost everything like brandon zanderson does so everything little thing i can do to help is is warranted and that's what i want to do and it's just it's just giving back like i said and we want to talk about the books that we love and the fact that we're we love them and the big timers are reviewing them as well just makes me feel good and like i want to find the next hidden gem and then i want to see that take off that's what i that's what i love doing it's challenging but it's what i signed up for steve what about you oh Oh, you're so kind steve Uh, I'm going to say, well, looking back, you know, that's a very interesting question, Paul, because, you know, looking back at what, you know, where indie, like traditional publishing is and where indie publishing is, it's like a very fascinating divide. You know, uh, someone had brought it up. I don't know if it was on your, uh, with you both, you guys or somebody else, like somebody had mentioned in one of the, you know, video interviews that I was hearing that they had asked an agent, you know, do you know what progression fantasy is? And the agent was just clueless, like what progression fantasy is. We all know progression fantasy and lit RPG are racing up the charts in on Amazon. The one thing indie publishing does, I believe, is that it offers a diversity of like you know book content in genre, in author type, in writing. You name it, it's there. Like there's always some kind of content which is available to the public. Thanks to Amazon's you know Kindle store. Again, not giving it too much glory, but it is what it is. It has led people to be able to publish what they want. Previously. Like say seven years ago, this was not available. You know, you had you of course had the gatekeepers in pub traditional publishing, and even right now, traditional publishing is trying to kind of branch out. You know, with thanks to Orbit Books, thanks to Tor Books, they're giving us different types of content, but it is still not enough. You know, the diversity of thoughts and writing styles in to be found in indie publishing, it's it's just it's infinite, and. I believe that is really helpful because it's driving readers who want to pick up, you know, like Will White. Let's take the example of Will White. Will White is possibly the most famous author that almost all traditional publishing readers have never heard of. But he's huge. He outsold almost everybody when he got like the, his book, you know, which I think the ninth or eighth book series, which was, you know, the most downloaded, most bought book in on, on, on Amazon. And again, if you go to, you know, if you go to any traditional bookstore, you will not see his books. That's the, and of course you you have his pub you know his recent Kickstarter which became so successful yes of course Brandon Sanderson's Kickstarter you know overtook the news I had people who had not read books messaging me do you know this guy I'm like yes I know this guy you're late to the you're late to the game let it be but it, it's this thing you know at least I I think like you know nowadays thanks to and of course a big shout out to Mark Lawrence when he began the self published fantasy blog of SPFPO in 2015 there were not that many blogs or even people who knew about what self publishing was. He took it on the fact that, you know, he wanted to promote, you know, indie books. He did not have any books to, you know, do off his own, but he still took that on. And, you know, 10 bloggers came together. We had like over 250 books in the first time. And since then, you know, it has grown. Thanks to it, you know, we have such gems such as Sword of Kaiken, you know, which ML Wong has written. Incredible book. It has come up thanks to that. We have Crystal Matar's Brightwash. We have... And again, why am I forgetting the winners of all of these? We have Sor- Zach, uh, we have Orconomics, uh, thanks to Orconomics by J. Zachary Pike. We have Senlin Essence. There are so many books that have come across, you know, that have been picked up by, you know, uh, indie, by so, traditional publishing. And I want to give a special shout out, shout out to Orbit Books for picking up, you know, James Islington's The Shadow, 
which came before. That was in the first SPFP. Not a lot of people know that. It got cut because, of course, the eventual winner was chosen by that same blog. But that got picked up by Orbit Books. There have been so many other titles, you know, which have been picked up by other uh, uh, traditional publishing. I'm just glad we live in this era where we can now look at, you know, traditional publishing. You know, we can find good stuff over there. Indie publishing, there's incredible stuff over here. And people, you know, Paul, like yourself, you have this incredible plan. You know, if you maybe 10 years ago, when you if you had approached like maybe a literary agent, somebody would have picked you up, but maybe most would be like, no, no, you're a known author, we don't want to. But now at least indie publishing offers you the chance to come out with your own books at your own speed and find your own readers. So I believe that's we are all blessed to be in this in this regards. Agreed. I just want to give one shout out since we're on the subject of moving to traditional publishing. I want to give a shout out to another um indie book that just got a deal. Um the Combat Codes by Alexander yes. Darwin. Yes, 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 yes. Um, I read that series uh, when it first came out. Uh, uh, Ale- Alexander was kind enough to give me the ARCs, and it was just picked up. And it's actually going to be expanded from what he actually wrote mm-hmm. and had more material. So I'm very much looking forward to for those. It's a, com- it's a combat style um, a science fiction type type story where the kingdoms fight with just one just one oh, one person mano a mano to to determine like outcome of a trilogy it's it's very really um eye-opening it's brilliant i love that series yeah i know you like your one-on-one uh fights there uh blaze i know you like your mano 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 or woman and woman um you know interesting to hear that mihir's perspective especially because mihir has been doing it for so long been involved with sbf to his beginning and yeah it really has become steve and i talked about this in the past and steve's had jonathan french i want to wonder you know jonathan french you know his lot just got picked up justin lee anderson recently mm-hmm. i think it was the year before he got yep. picked up uh josiah bancroft with his like i think mihira mentioned that um devin madsen with her yes. uh, white storm yep. series like the list goes on and on of all these sbfo you know uh, stars that went on to you know become you know get trad deals it's just it, it's almost and i know mark emphasized that trad isn't be all in all and you shouldn't be looking at sbfo to to get a book deal. However, it doesn't hurt your chances, right? Mm-hmm. right. So, but yeah, I want to hear from Steve what he thinks about, about this whole self-published, traditionally published, where we're going, what's going on, you know? Well, I think we've talked about a, a previous, I don't know if it was on during the episode or uh, after PL, but we had talked about the, the book industry reminds me of the music industry in the late 90s, early 2000s, when digital was starting to kind of take over and the music industry was so stuck in their ways and didn't want to move along with the times. And I think the, the publishing, uh, the big publishers now are, they're just like big, slow lumbering idiots and they move too slow. And with self-publishing, you can do whatever you want to do, pump out your books and get them out there for everyone. And where if you were in a, in a pub, you know, getting it with a major publisher, it might take years for your book to get on the shelves. So no, no matter what you're into as a reader, you can find something that you'll enjoy in indie publishing. There's something for everybody. So if you, if you aren't enjoying what you're reading, you can find something that will fit your tastes that you'll enjoy because there's just so much, there's just so much out there. And I, I love that it's, it's the way that the, the creator intended it to be and not the mm-hmm. way that five different editors changed it. And it ends up being this weird watered down version of what was originally thought of. I like it from whether it's, it's a success or a failure, it's what the creator wanted. And that's what I want that unfiltered, view into mm-hmm. what they wanted to create. And that's something to celebrate that they can create something and get it out to us. And I think, you know, part of it, we talked a little bit about, um, you know, getting 
traction, getting eyes on these books. I think, I think more people, I think sometimes some people shy away, like creators shy away from indie because they're not as popular. So you don't get as many views, you don't get as many, you know, as much traction, whether it's a blog or a YouTube channel or whatever, a podcast, because there's not as many people looking for something like Books of Babel than there is like Brandon Sanderson books. So if you have a, a channel that you devote to Brandon Sanderson, you're going to have thousands of, of subscribers and thousands of views right away. So it's a whole different mindset. You just have to be, you know, cause I, I make content with stuff I'm passionate about and I'm, I'm, I'm not a, I'm, you know, <laughs> these are the things that I enjoy reading. So I want to share it and I'm just not going to, you know, talk about things that I'm not passionate about just for the sake of getting traction. If you, for anyone out there who's worried about that, just make things that you're passionate about and it'll, like Blaze had mentioned, it'll start, it'll get some movement and things will start happening for you. And PL, um, the authors, whenever the authors retweet things like an article or a video or whatever, that's huge. That makes a huge difference. So I want to thank you for doing that because you're really good about promoting stuff that other people do. And that makes a huge, huge difference. Thank you. It's, it's my honor. And as, as Blaze said, it's all we're getting back. And, you know, I, I still look at myself as very much a nobody in the uh in the in the book community but then you don't realize again like and i keep saying this you don't realize how much of a somebody you are to someone else right and you know and if i can do something to i love seeing people shoot past me and far exceed me and in sales and recognition and and that makes me feel good especially when like they said it was a book that you know an author that or a booktuber that i was really oh you gotta you gotta watch these guys you gotta watch their reviews or you gotta read this book this is amazing you know, and, and that's that's what gets me psyched because, you know, I, I have my audience and hopefully it will grow. So, you know, and, and there's room enough in amongst all the reviewers and all the booktubers and all the authors for us all to have our audience. And we're not competing each other. Each other. We're there to help each other and, and, and boost each other up. You know, there's there's people that, you know, we all there's there's enough there's enough room in the pie, enough slice of the pie for, for all of us. Right. So, you know, oh, my gosh, Dejera, I'm honored that you're putting ABK of the TBR, so it is available in ebook. So thank you. Yeah, it is. Uh, so thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. That uh, that means a lot. So just a quick thing, uh, and thanks for the shout out for Duke Blaze for mentioning the combat codes. That was fantasy book critics finalist in that year of SPFBO. Oh, wow. So yeah, we 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 loved Alexander Darwin. So we were super glad when he got picked up. He had. And I'm hoping that he gets to publish all that he wants with Arbit Books as well. Because yeah, please, you're right. He has plans for like the trilogy, the expanded world, and more. So it's going to be amazing for him. Yeah, I say again, and Mahir, you have a really unique perspective, as I know, because you've been doing it for a long time. You've seen this. The current iteration of SPFO is seems like it's light years from even the first one when it's just so hype now. Like literally, like you know, the the hype around this contest is just unreal. It just seems like all the eyes of of certainly the self-published fantasy community are lasered in on on SPFBO when it comes out, and it's basically now it's the point where okay, it's a year-long contest. The hype is like this to get to the finals, and then then the hype was like this, and then suddenly when it's over, it starts all over again. <laughs> you know, yep. like it's just it, it's it's a crazy phenomenon, right? And but it's really done a lot, I think, to really um, bring bring a real sense of excitement to you know, and as Mahir said. If nothing else, you can plan your, your your reading calendar around that. If you just read SBFPO books, I'm not just saying finalists, but if you just read, you looked at the 300 tiles, you browse like, oh, that piques my interest. 
and you pick 5, 10, 15, 20, and 30, you just read that all year, you'd probably be satisfied with, with your reading because you'd have so many diverse books and, and just some amazing, you know, amazing books, right? So um, one thing I didn't want to ask um, here in Blaze specifically, um, because um, now with, you know, with what you do with blogging and, and you know, again, I, I'm not sure if you guys, I, I know Blaze, you, you have, you know, a busy career otherwise that we here, I'm sure you do too, or if you don't, like, how do you, how do you devote the time you want to devote to this, this endeavor, balancing that with everything else you do? And does it bleed into your life? Like, I know for me, I'm blessed because my beautiful wife, she's like my business partner, manager and all this. So she does, she's brilliant with marketing. She does a lot of marketing stuff. And, you know, but of course, you know, like not everybody has a spouse or family that's involved in book stuff, you know, but, but how does, you know, how do you manage the time and does it bleed into you find into your, your personal life, you know, and, and everything else that you're doing, like other hobbies, like, like, how are you guys, how do you guys find that as bloggers? So I'm just like you, Paul, I'm a big, big planner. So whenever I have something like this, like this live stream, for example, I knew well in advance and I, I put it on, we share a Google calendar. I put it on the, the calendar saying this time, this uh, time, um, this, this hour span or, or whatever it is, like that time's like blocked out. I know what I need to do. Um, and then everything else, uh, like reading during the week, I read just, while my wife might be watching TV, I'm reading or listening to um, audiobooks and then just writing a blog post. If I don't write it within like a one to two day span, I'm going to forget some things. So I'll just I'll just write it when I have spare time. I woke up this morning and I wrote a review of To Ride Hell's Chasm. It's fitting in when you have spare time. And if there's like family events or stuff you need to do, you put it aside. Because at the end of the day, this is this is a hobby. It's not a job. Um, my, my, my family is my my life and I would die for them. They're most important to me. So sometimes it, it bleeds over and my wife gives me like a little, little nudge. She's like, what are you doing? It's just books. I'm like, I know, I know. I just can't, I, have to read, I want to read this chapter. <laughs> and late at night is like, just one more chapter. which I blaze, turn off the light, go to bed. Okay. I'll, I'll do that. So yeah, just budgeting the time and reading when you have spare time. Uh similar to what Blaze said, I also have two young kids and thanks to my wife, because for this thing, I she's taking care of them right now. And so literally when we finish, I'm going to jump up because I have to go get them, you know, lunch and everything. So it's tricky, you know, with the job. And this is this is like an unpaid job. You know, we love to do it. That's why we do it. But there's, you know, Paul, both you and Stephen talked about this. There's no, there's no recognition of sorts. Nobody's paying us. Uh, we don't, we don't have any, you know, uh, links, affiliate links, and for that, so that you know, we don't get any money or anything like that. It's completely purely voluntary. You do it because you love it, and you know, it helps you, keeps you sane, or at least in my, in my view, it keeps me sane. Uh, it's tricky because you know, especially when you have families, when you have, you know, your you, your spouse expects some time for, you know, with them. If you have kids, then your kids are obviously going to expect time with them. You and then of course, if you have a job, then it's like the holy trifecta of you know of adulthood. You know, you're going to be busy. It's it's tricky. It is tricky, and there's everybody has their own. You know, there's no one perfect way because I'm I'm amazed at like what you and you know what you folks do, both you Paul and Steve. You guys are doing this so organically but at a, at, a, at a fixed schedule you know you do these talks with people you do these uh, you do these interviews as well 
you have a schedule which works for you, which probably might not work for me or Blaze, but then the schedule which Blaze and I have might not work for you all as well. So I think it's it's just figuring out your own speed. Uh, there is no contest. You know, you don't have to be the blog that posts a review every day. You can be the blogger who posts a review once a week, once every three weeks, once a month, if that works for you. Do it at your own pace and do it, you know, that makes you happy. I'm, I'm sure, yes, you know, there's going to be moments of frustration when you're like, I wish I had posted this review because somebody else said now everybody's you know, raving about that. There's, the, there's always going to be that. I have suffered from that for the last 10 years. I have finally made my peace with it that I'm not going to be able to post reviews in a, in a manner that, you know, would benefit the author. But at least I can post a review when I can. And I'll do my bit to help, you know, if the book is that good or if, if, if the author is that wonderful. Yes, some nights you just, you know, there are some nights where I will just be like, after the kids are asleep, I'm going to be reading or I'm going to be writing my review and posting the review at like 12 o'clock at midnight so that it can be posted. It is what it is. I can. I, I wish there was a better method. I do not have the answer. I, after the birth of my kids, it's been harder and harder. Um, so kudos to all three of you and to everybody else as well who does this unsung job. And I call it a job because it is. I frankly see it as a job because you're devoting time, uh, you know, effort and the mental energy to it for not being paid. So it is what it is, and we're happy doing it until we, until as long as we can. I wonder, yeah, I know both of you have done interviews. How do how do both of you prepare for interviews? Um, like podcast interviews? Yeah, either either written or audio or video. So yeah, with me just starting my uh, podcast, I think it was like six months ago. Um, I made a priority, at least starting out, to not have an author interview unless I've read the book. It makes the conversation much easier to. Uh, go forth. I highlight certain aspects of the book, and Paul, like we can talk about our uh, our interview. Um, certain parts of the book that I really liked, and I thought I wanted to expand upon, so that the audience um, and the listeners knows uh, what the what the book is about, what the trope tropes are, what the themes are. Basically, hit all the main points that I want um, anyone listening to understand, and then we'll get into like I I. I'm not one who just writes all the questions going out. I make bullet points. So I want to say introduction. Okay, I want to talk about this, 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 and this. And then we'll go like on a random, we'll go like on a random tangent. Like I think we talked about the Wheel of Time, Paul. And that took a good, that took a good little bit of uh, the TV show and the and the series. Uh, we'll talk, I talk about uh, suggestions that you have for books that you like that are not well popular um, under the radar stories. Um, it's just finding your right groove of what you like to talk about what the author would like to talk about and just finding good middle ground, make it a conversation. Don't make it like you're giving a job interview because that's gonna, not going to make you look good. It's not going to come across as authentic. Um, just, yeah, just be yourself and, and just have fun with it. That's how, that's how I go about it. Paul, you want to tackle this question? Um, well, yeah, I, I do. Um, be, my primary interviews, obviously, now are, are thanks to Steve on his channel. We, you know, we do page chewing and, and we interview creators from all over the community, writers, bloggers, authors. Um, for me, I, I don't necessarily have to have read the book. I, I, I need to know something about the author, something about what they write about. I, I, I try to read the book. Uh, sometimes I don't, I don't get to. It. But what I, I, I don't. It's almost like that's a real advantage, as Blaze says. I totally understand that. But I also sometimes I want to going without any uh, preconceived notions or even knowing in depth about what the author writes. And then uh, usually what happens is 99% of the time, I put that book in my TBR thanks to what the author says, and then I, I read it and usually I love it. 
So, um, but but um, I do do on my blog on my website as well. I do uh, an interview feature called Six Elemental Interviews. So I, I pose uh, six questions uh, to you know writers about you know their work and what they write and why they start writing and what they like. And I try to keep it pretty straightforward, but similarly, I find that six questions is it's it's meaty enough to get some really juicy nuggets about the author, but it's not too overwhelming that you know because everyone's busy so you know I, I so i try to keep it you know somewhat stimulating but fun and so far i mean i've got some amazing responses from a, from the creatives that you know i encourage you to check it out not because you know i'm the board interview but more for um the authors actually uh the page two episode that steve and i have this evening with natanya Barron. she's one of the i've read her books but all authors um she's coming on at 7 p.m with steve and i and uh, she's one of the uh the authors i've had the privilege of interviewing for um, six elementals. So for me, it's more about, I, I want to understand what, I don't want to say what makes the author tick, but certainly some of their motivations for writing, what, why they write what they write, what are the themes, because I'm a big theme person. I, I want to know what your book is about, if there's some central theme or themes, and you know, and I want to know what motivates you to write, and who are your writing heroes, and you know, you know, what, what you like to read, and you know what gets you what gets you jazzed about doing what you do. So, so in terms of prepare, preparation, those are the things that I, I focus on when when it comes to because to me it's all about the people, right? It all starts with the person. So, um, you know, the work is really important. Obviously, that's that's what we're talking about. Whether you're a booktuber or a writer, you know what what you put on what you put on booktube or what you write down in your written blog or, or what you write about as a writer. But it's for me, it's much more about preparing about the people. So I usually do my homework in terms of you know. Uh, you know how old the person is and you know what they like to read what they like to write you know do they have any specific um passions or causes that really get them jazzed so that's that's the things that i prepare for um i'm gonna riff off what belize and paul said like similar to both of them so with I'm, I'm kind of similar to paul that i like to read the book before before i interview author just because you know i usually try to pitch them as like i'll review a book but I, if i love it i don't say if i love it because usually i also like to offer an interview to authors um uh, I, I have mostly done email interviews because you know of course we didn't have i mean i didn't wasn't really much of a youtube person uh i like to do a lot of uh digging around the author's website and blog posts just because I want to find juicy details of like, you know, what they have talked about previously with regards to word building. Um, my mind is a weird place that I'm always interested to know what the author was thinking when they did this or what are their favorites? What are their hobbies? Like, for example, Paul, you know, if I was interviewing you, I would ask you because if, you know, I know you have mentioned in the past that, you know, you're, or you also like to visit the Caribbean and you like the warm beaches and snow. Are you into cricket? Like that's some of the things which will like, you know, it's, it's, it's like, you know, when people talk like this, it clues me, then I, uh, you know, uh, I'll do this. And then uh, depending on what, you know, if I've read something particular in the book that I love, uh, you know, I would like to expound on that. Like, for example, you know, with Richard Nell, I, I wanted to ask him about this fact, you know, that he had opened up with a with cannibalistic line. What drove him to do write it that way? Did he want to grab the reader's interest right off the bat? Or like, you know, that's an incredible line. So it's things like these. So for me, my, my interviews run a little bit longer. Like the email interviews that go anywhere from 10 to 14 questions. Sometimes people have been kind enough, like, you know, like, for example, Craig Schaefer, uh, shout out to him. I always have so many questions for him. Like I do these state of the Schaefer interviews at the year and where I'll 
you know, uh, I'll kind of block, uh, split them into two, two interviews on two separate days just because there's so many questions for him. And she, I mean, uh, you know, Craig has transitioned recently, so it's actually his, uh, her name is Heather Schaeffer, so my apologies. Uh, Heather is really kind enough uh, to kind of always tell me, you know, to answer all of my questions. Uh, recently taking, you know, uh, the clue from Steve and Paul, you all have recently also started interviewing authors on YouTube. Uh, I have I have a series called you know authors and their favorite books where we discuss their favorite books and we get to talk about that, and I've only done two author interviews so far where I actually just interviewed them about their not it's just separate from the series. I did an interview with David Oliver, whom I really enjoyed his great art series, and actually I just finished taping my yesterday with Peter Kleins, uh, whom I loved for his exteriors and his most recent book, The Broken Room, and I'm hoping to post it and. Uh, maybe a couple of weeks or so, but for me, it's more of like you know digging into the author's uh, background, the digging into the author's work, and then of course the extra questions of like you know just based on uh, if they have expressed any other interests besides writing, because that's how my mind works. I want to know the author as an entire person, and also of course about their books in the series. Mm -hmm. What about you, Steve? What do you, what do you, what's your interviewing preparation you know, well, techniques? I... I try to like um, here's what I try to look at their bio and their website and their what their like their education was or what they were, sometimes they'll put a lot of detail into like their childhoods or what they enjoyed or what how they grew up or where they went to school or what they did before. Um, so I try and get questions from there and I also try to watch or read past interviews because I don't want to ask the same questions over and over. And as a reader, I I have a certain there's things that I I want to ask about I want to ask about writing but I don't want to get too in the weeds because. I think you'll lose people who aren't writers. They just want to know about the author and about the book. So I try not to get too inside baseball with that because number one, I don't know enough about it to talk about it. So I try to try to not get too deep into that. I want to know a little bit, but um, I want to also want to know about them and their hobbies. And I always try to, to end on something positive and something that, um, you know, try to keep things upbeat and fun. Thus then like, like uh, you, you all mentioned about just like a job interview. You don't want it to be like that. Cause it's really awkward and weird. So you try to keep things loose and open. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, I, I mean, <laughs> I think we could probably talk for a long time. I, we want to respect your time both. I know Mihir said he's got young kids, he's got lunch. I know Blaze is a busy man. We don't want his, his wife to be like, you're still in there a lot these guys. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Steve is busy too as well. But, um, you know, I, I, you know, I cannot thank you two enough for joining us. Um, you know, you're, you're both amazing. Uh, so much respect and admiration for what you do. And, um, you know, just thank you for what you do and just realize that it is making a real impact in the writing community. And, you know, we, we, we truly appreciate it. And we're very humbled to have you join us. Um, you know, um, just while we're wrapping up, uh, do you both mind telling us, um, you know, what your preferred uh, social media platforms are, where to get a hold of you, where to see your reviews, your podcasts, Anything that you're doing, you know, anything that you'd like to, you know, any any way to get a hold of you that you'd like to uh, to, to mention? Sure. So my uh, Twitter handle is at under the radar b two. Um, I do re book reviews on WordPress at under the radar sffbooks.com. Um, I also do a podcast which I share on Twitter um, whenever I release it. I'm swear I'm going to get back to releasing episodes on a regular basis have been lacking a little bit in that um reach out to me anytime you want um always always happy to share book recommendations with authors and and readers so it's been a joy being part of this community 
Well, Paul, Steve, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I'm part of uh, an amazing team over at Fantasy Book Critic. So if you just Google search the term Fantasy Book Critic, uh, one word, separate words, it'll lead you to our blog site. There's uh, are currently seven different bloggers who are posting the reviews almost daily with interviews and giveaways. One thing I do like to highlight is that we like to make our giveaways worldwide. So if you, you don't have to be always in the US, you can be anywhere in the world, you can participate in our giveaways. Um, we are also found on Twitter at Fantasy Book Crit, because Twitter doesn't allow bags in space. Um, I'm personally found on Goodreads, uh, you know, uh, and yeah, we are always we try to, you know, make sure that we at least get good, go to as many review requests as possible. So if you have a book, uh, let us know. If we have uh, how to approach us on our website. And yeah, thank you, Steve and Paul, for having us today uh, and for this amazing chat. And now I got to know that Blaze, I knew Blaze from you know Twitter, but I didn't know that he had a podcast. So I'm going to check that one out as well. Blaze, thank you for letting me know about that. Yeah, it's great stuff. It's a great podcast. You're welcome. Let me know and I can send you the link. Cool. And Steve, thank what's you. the best place to get a hold of uh, you, my friend, and all your... <laughs> well, the best place is probably here on YouTube, uh, or I can also be found on pagechewing.com. Or uh, I also use Twitter, Steve Talks Books, uh, or Vero. I'm over on Vero as well because I'm weird. <laughs> but but uh, thanks to Blaze and me here for taking the time. It really, I know you're both really busy, so really appreciate you taking the time to come by and chat with us. It's been a, it's been a pleasure getting to know more about both of you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye, everyone.